Iowa's News Now Sports brings you black and gold glory. Your all-access pass to all things Hawkeyes. This is Eye on the Hawks. There's no ceiling on how good we can get, and I think we understand that. So each time we come out in the practice field, we're going to continue to harp on our fundamentals and just, you know, continuing to get better. Welcome to the Week 8 edition of Eye on the Hawks, presented by University of Iowa Healthcare. We thought it fitting to open the show hearing from one offensive lineman, Logan Jones, as we introduce a former offensive lineman, Austin Blythe, former Hawkeye, former NFL road grader Austin. Pleasure having you join us today. Thanks, Thanks for having for me. Coming on over from Williamsburg. Uh, that was one of your protégés that we got a chance to hear from in Logan Jones. Uh, first, I want to get some of your initial thoughts on what you've seen out of this offensive line this year. You know, what I have liked is them getting out in space, uh, getting on guys, and especially the last two weeks, um, the ground game has been uh, seemingly much improved, and I think that's a really test, a real testament to what Logan said. We heard him say just now is that they've really been focusing on their fundamentals and and getting on guys and finishing the job, and it's it's really paid off the last couple weeks. How about Logan specifically? You're uh, he's a center. You were a center for many years in the NFL. How have you th- thought? I know he made that transition from the defensive line to center. How have you seen him make that make that smooth move over? Yeah, it's been fun watching him. Um, you know, he's a big, strong, powerful guy. Um, again, he gets on guys and he tries to finish them. He's he's nasty in that way. So that's what you need from your center and. You know, hopefully he can continue bringing guys along and they just keep continuing to improve. Sounds good. Well, it's hard to believe coming up on three weeks since quarterback Cade McNamara went down with a season-ending knee injury. This Hawkeye team is sitting in the Catbird seat atop the Big Ten West. Saturday's win over Wisconsin puts Iowa firmly in the driver's seat for a trip to Indy. And the remaining schedule, not exactly a Big Ten murderer's row. The Hawkeyes will almost certainly be favored in all five games left on the schedule, starting with Minnesota this weekend and ending on Black Friday at Nebraska. Austin, one of those teams that right now feels like they could win any game, but also feels like they could possibly lose any game. How has this team gotten to this point where, in spite of just a wrecking ball of injuries coming through that team, how are they at this point right now? You know, I think I'll go back to Logan's uh, soundbite again. You know, I think Iowa has typically been a team that prides itself on technique and fundamentals and especially on the defensive side of the ball. Um, they've been playing terrific football, um, putting the team in a, in a great spot to win games. And, and, and really, that's all that matters at the, end of the, at the end of the fourth quarter is whether or not you have more points than the other team. And so far, they have in six games. You're a guy who played in Indianapolis back in 2015. You know what it takes to get there. Uh, if you're a betting man, do you think that this football team in 2023 has a chance to be playing in Indianapolis in December? Absolutely. I think the defense continues playing the, the way that they are. Special teams is obviously another special um, <laughs> part of this team. Um, and if the offense continues to improve, continues with that running game, um, and then Deacon Hill comes around and yep. you know we start making some plays on the edge, uh, you know, there's no, no question that they can make it to Indy. Well, with the passing game that struggled to find its footing, the rushing attack has been Iowa's safety net for a large chunk of this season. In their two games against Big Ten West opponents, Iowa's ground game has rushed for over 180 yards each time. Against Purdue, it was Caleb Johnson. Saturday against Wisconsin, Leshawn Williams was a bell cow. When this backfield is healthy, they are a serious weapon. We got to stay with, uh, I mean, I feel like we is RBU, but we got to stay with the old line. They moving people. I mean, we running hard. Uh, one back go down, I feel like we got enough depth in the room to keep keep everything rolling. And Yeah, I, f- I can't wait to see what we do this weekend. I think we're getting a little bit more mature now. We're operating a little bit better together and uh, having a better feel. And, you know, certainly the run game was huge for us the other night. And that will be a better football team if we can run the ball successfully. 
Well, I was already 2-0 in trophy games the first time since 2017 that the Hawkeyes have won their first two trophy games in a year, 2015, a year that this gentleman remembers fondly, the last and only time I was won all four trophy games since Nebraska joined the Big Ten. Well, this weekend is for all the proverbial bacon. Floyd of Rosedale dates back to 1935, 117th all-time meeting this weekend, the longest-running rivalry on Iowa's schedule, and this week, Cooper DeGene recalled one of his unpleasant memories from a trip north of the border. A while back, it was it was up in. I went to a game up in Minnesota, and, and Iowa was was getting the ball, moved down their throat. I think they I think they lost by a few touchdowns. It was, it was kind of annoying up there, um, just to just to hear their fans. They got this they got this saying. I think that's it goes like that's another golden go for first down, and that's all I remember hearing. You know, every every single uh, drive when they were on offense up there. This could have gotten awkward. Thankfully, Cooper was talking about the 2010 Minnesota game before our friend Austin Blythe was on the roster. Floyd has called Iowa City home for the past eight years. The last time the Golden Gophers kept him in the Twin Cities was all the way back in 2014 when Minnesota beat the Hawks 51-14. Iowa's won 10 of their last 11 meetings with the Gophers. Austin, amazingly, the current streak of wins over Minnesota started your senior year in 2015. But from what you've seen, how do they match up this season? You know, I, I always think that the Hawks will match up great against anybody because we play great defense, our special teams are always good, and then offensively, if we're running the ball well like we are the last two weeks, um, I think we could play with anybody. So um, if we stick to what we've been doing the last couple weeks, um, I don't think we'll have any issues. Uh, you know, But like you mentioned earlier, uh, we can win every game on this schedule and we can also find um, you know, a, way, a way to lose. So as long as we uh, continue to, to play uh, team football, I don't think we'll have any any problems. Even as biased as you may be as a Hawkeye supporter, it is amazing to look back. The last time that Iowa lost to Minnesota at Kinnick Stadium was 1999, Kirk Ferentz's first year. So as good as they do play against most opponents, that's a pretty impressive run of home games for them. How is it that they seem to play so well against them every year at home especially? I think it goes back to the coaching. You know, Coach Ferentz, I know, is, you know, heavy emphasis on those trophy games. And Minnesota is obviously one of those with the Floyd Rosedale. So... Um, but it's also just how the coaching staff and Coach Ferentz in particular approaches every single game week. It's, you know, you have to look at it uh, from a one-game one season perspective, and, and that's how Coach Ferentz coaches and, and teaches uh, and speaks in the team meetings. So um, I think the team just does a good job taking that to heart, and they focus one game at a time. Um, and, you know, trying to finish the week 1-0. Unfortunate to say you were on the last Iowa team that lost to Minnesota in 2014, your, your, ju your junior year. Uh, but is there, outside of that one, is there a Minnesota game that really sticks out as one of your favorites in your mind? Yeah, I think it's, it's easy, easy to say because it was part of the 12-0 season. But um, 2015, I know we had to run the clock out. Um, and LaShawn Daniels, you know, rips a 50-yard touchdown or whatever to seal the game. So that was pretty exciting for, for us, not to mention it was the blackout game. And where does this rivalry, or did it, you know, either as a player or a fan, where does it rank among the four trophy games? I mean, how badly do you always want this one? Uh, you know, you want all the trophy games, but, you know, aside from the Cyhawk trophy, I think, and, you know, I'd probably put it down below the Wisconsin trophy, too, oh, really? the Heartland. Um, just because you know, Wisconsin was a team that I always hated in college <laughs> and, and continue to hate now. So it was great to get them, uh, see them get the win last week. But, um, you know, all trophy games are important, especially this one. This one dates back to, like you said, 1935, I think. So um, it's always important to get this one. Has that changed at all from the time that you were growing up as a young Hawkeye fan to a Hawkeye player to an adult? Do those trophy games rank the same? Iowa State, Wisconsin, Minnesota, has that changed at all? 
I don't think it's changed really? uh, changed much at all. So, and that's the beauty of growing up a Hawkeye fan. I can kind of remember that. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's felt like almost every week there's another season-ending injury to report, and that theme holds true again heading into the Minnesota game. Tight end Eric All confirmed out for the season after going down early against Wisconsin. Eric joined Iowa as a transfer this season, but his personality already has had a tremendous impact in the Hawkeye locker room. Obviously tough seeing him go down, but uh, you know, even on the sidelines, he uh, still had a smile on his face. That just kind of speaks to who he is. He's kind of the glue guy in our room, always uh, making everyone laugh, and he's just been awesome for the group, so it's, it's just tough to lose a guy like that. He's probably hurting a little, but I think he doesn't try and let anybody show it or lets himself show it to anybody else. Um, I think he's, he's that guy that just wants to be there for the team and you know, keep that momentum going. Austin, you had a pretty healthy college career as a whole. A couple missed games as a freshman, I believe. But other than that, not much time on the sideline. What's this team saying to each other in the locker room right now as they just continue to get hit by the injury bug week in and week out, it seems? I think you have to tr trust your coaches that they have the next man ready to go. And I think so far we've seen that with every running back that's come in. And now we get a chance to see the tight ends, what they are capable of. Um, so really, uh, it's, it's about trusting the guys around you and trusting that the coaches have them ready to go. You could almost argue that the three injuries they've had to Cade, to Luke, and to Eric have been to their three best offensive players just about. Uh, in spite of that, though, I mean, you still don't see that as an issue in terms of this team getting to the Big Ten title game. You still think they could overcome that? Absolutely. Um, I don't think that those coaches would put them in the game with an opportunity to, to, to win games. Um, if they didn't believe that they could get the job done. Sure thing. Well, the next man in again is Steven Stilianos. He moved to tight end two after Luke Lachey went down. But now with Eric All out, Steven's number one on the depth chart with Johnny Pascuzzi as a second option. Stilianos is in his second year with Iowa after transferring from Lafayette College in Pennsylvania. Just five catches this year for 54 yards. And once again, he becomes the next man up. It's always next man up. So, uh, you know, it's it's. Eric's a great player who we've kind of relied on a lot this year. So uh, not having him out there is going to be a little tough. So uh, I'm ready to go. And uh, just whatever we're going to game plan, I'm ready to execute that. Steve's a very great guy. Um, you know, you never have to ask him to do anything. He's already doing it. Uh, does whatever he's asked. Um, he's a great route runner. Uh, he's also a f phenomenal blocker. Last year was, was a, a transition year for him. And, uh, but in the spring, you could see him operating you know, like this is a guy who can help us play and help us be successful. And, you know, he's going to be called upon to, to do more now as we move forward. Yeah, this is what you dream for. This is what you work for. So, you know, obviously unfortunate how everything played out, but I, I'm excited to, you know, showcase what I can do at this level. Austin, scale of 1 to 10, where's your tight end knowledge at right now? Yeah. Oh, gosh. <laughs> I'm not that confident in it. Right. You know, if we talk offensive line, it's probably close to a 10. But, you know, tight end, I guess, is an extension of the offensive you line. You know the blocking so. aspects of tight end. Yeah, least. you bet. I mean, at this point, I mean, there's just been so many injuries to that tight end room. Uh, do you still feel confident, though? I mean, again, we've talked about the next man up a number of times already on the show. But um, do you think that this is something that these guys can step in just in one game? Or is this going to be an evolution that we see through the end of the season? Definitely. I think you can have... Uh, extreme confidence and uh, uh, the next man up mentality, especially in this tight end position. You heard Coach Ferentz say it, and he's not one to blow smoke. Mm -hmm. um, you know, he seems awful confident. So um, there's absolutely no reason to, to not think that he'll come in and do the job well. You were a healthy guy in college, but did you have any other teammates, any other anecdotes that you might remember of somebody, you know, who went down and, you know, that other guy had to step in and really fill in well? You know, I, I think it's just trusting that, the, that guy has gone through the same program that you have. Um, he's been coached by the same coaches that you have. Um, and if his number is the one being called, uh, 
you have to have confidence that your coaches know what they're what they're doing, um, and confidence that he'll get the job done. Tradition started by Hayden Fry in 1979, hand in hand entering the field as a swarm. You'll see before and after every Iowa football game, both home and away, and its historic impact isn't lost on this year's players, even though it's been around decades longer than they've even been alive. The swarm means so much to me because it's not only um, you and your brothers out there, it's everyone from the past too. So it's, it's really bringing everyone together, um, which, is something that I'll remember for the rest of my life. It's just being out there, um, just thinking like 20 years, you know, behind us, like those guys were doing the same exact thing that we're doing. I think our interest is, is one, of, one of a kind, just showing that we're together, you know, locking, locking hands, you know, running on the field as, as, a, as a whole team. Um, so I think, I think ours is one of a kind. You know, that was Coach Fry's baby all the way. Yeah, and I, I thought it just, uh, Made so much sense, and I know our opponents made fun of us. At least they did in the seven or eighties. I don't know if they do anymore, but um, you know, just what it stood for, what it meant. You know, that that was how he built the program here. So, you know, as long as I'm here, that that's going to continue. Austin Blythe back with us on Eye on the Hawks. Austin, you would have been part of, I think, at least fifty swarms, not even including your redshirt freshman season. What did the swarm mean to you back when you were a player, and does that change, or what does it mean to you now as an alum? Yeah, I think you heard Joe said it. Uh, say it. Uh, really pretty good. You know, you're carrying the tradition and the legacy of the people who came before you, the people who are going to come after you. Um, and I think what's the hardest thing about the swarm is you, you get uh, the music going in, coming in before, and you think you're just going to sprint out on the field. But that's not how uh, Coach Ferentz, uh, you know, wants it. He wants us to jog on the field with a calmness, uh, with uh, calmness about the job we're, we're going to go out and do and, and do together. And I think that's really the epitome of what the swarm is. You're going out to do a job together. And, you know, you should feel confident in the work that you've put in. Coach Ferris the other day actually mentioned that there have been a few times back in his early years where it was hard to get the swarm right. You know, they had to kind of practice. Did you have to practice that before you actually did it? Or do you just follow along with the older guys in front of you? It's always a thing we do uh, right at the end of camp. You know, we call it a mock game uh, for one of our camp practices. And, and that's one of the things we practice is how we're going to come out in the swarm, how we're going to go back into the locker room uh, in the swarm. And uh, it's, it's just a slow, steady pace. And... Um, that's the way they like it. I was surprised with how much it means to some of these guys. Is this something that the coaches really preach to the team, how special the swarm is and, and that link that they have to the past? Do they really ingrain that in you? Yeah, I think it, it really just kind of ties everybody together and really gets guys playing for each other, um, you know, before the game starts. Uh, it's just a good way to, like I said, just bring everybody together and, and, and make them play for each other. Well, still no official word on Noah Shannon's status for the season, but he is back at practice while the NCAA thinks about changing their sports wagering punishments. Seems like it's just a matter of time before Noah makes his 2023 debut for the Hawkeyes. Earlier this week, Mitch Fix spoke with defensive line coach Kelvin Bell about Noah's current status with the team. Noah's back at practice probably a, a week maybe plus now. How is he looking football-wise and, and more importantly, just how's, how's his mood the, the last couple months he's had where – you know, he hasn't known what to expect, and now it looks like maybe the door's starting to open. How's he just doing with that news uh, evolving? Uh, well, first, the, you know, back in practice, he looks good. He hasn't hasn't missed a beat. Um, uh, I mean, obviously, it's a, a little bit of rest, but just in terms of uh, pre-snap and um, pre-snap uh, identification, things of that nature, he's, he's fallen right back into it. Just his mindset. I mean, he's handled it. Noah's been upright. 
uh, up, up, up coming up forth about, um, you know, what's happened. Um, he's not shot away from any type of blame uh, from any type of blame. He knows his responsibility and, and what he did. Uh, and that that part you admire. Um, uh, but just from the standpoint of uh, he's been great for the young guys, he's been great for the old guys, like having Noah Shannon around um, is really good for, you know, the older guys that are there and the young guys. And for me, just the, uh, you know, just the chance to get him back to play. I'm more than I'm happy for him to be to be able to get back to play whenever the NCAA decides what they're going to do. Um, you know, but right now he's practicing, um, you know, whether he gets to play or not, wherever it goes, he's practicing. And it just sets a really good example for the guys that are in the room and um, couldn't be happier for the guy. I hope I get him back, man. He's like having a weighted blanket. You, you know, you sleep better at night knowing he's on the field. So keeping our fingers crossed. One of Iowa's biggest impact players this season has been Sebastian Castro. He's emerged as a terror in the secondary, making his presence known on every play. On Saturday against Wisconsin, he was second on the team in tackles, had the game-sealing interception. On his birthday, no less, fans may have not known a lot about Sebastian prior to this season, but he, he has built a reputation as one of the most fast and physical players on the team. Growing up as a kid, we always just played like that, so um, it came easy. It came easy like that, and I, it's something I enjoy. And especially nowadays, I know a lot of people don't like to be physical. Um, and I'm always open to the challenge. So, uh, yeah, it's just something a part of my game. You know, that was my high school teammate, so I don't expect nothing less from him. You know, he's real physical. It's fun watching him, especially being on offense. He makes me sit up and watch the defense most of the time because I just know he's going to come lay a hit on somebody. The way he flies to the ball, flies around, and, and makes plays, you know, I think I think it rubs off on, on everybody else. Boy, he's physical and tough out there in the field. But just now he's getting confidence. And he's really starting to feel good about what he's doing. Now Austin Blythe back with us on Eye on the Hawks. Austin, I assume you've been watching this team pretty closely this season since he moved back to Eastern Iowa. Who on this defense really impresses you the most? Is it Sebastian or has somebody else really caught your eye? I think there's a few guys. Uh, I think from the very first week, you know, Jay Higgins has really, uh, really jumped out at me. Guy who was always flying around. He's always around the ball, trying to make a play picking his teammates up, congratulating them when uh, they make a play. Um, then another guy that's got an insane motor uh, to me is, is Joe Evans uh, off the edge. I think uh, part of the reason why he is so good is he just goes longer than anybody else. Um, so watching those guys play has been a lot of fun. And then watching guys like Sebastian emerge and make plays when the defense has needed it, especially like this last weekend, is, it was a lot of fun to watch. I don't know since you've moved back to town how much you've had a chance to actually go back to Iowa City. You're busy with high school co coaching, I know, but have you had a chance to build a relationship with anybody on this current Iowa roster? You know, I haven't. I have been to a few games so far. Okay. Kyle and I decided we were going to buy season tickets and support the team. So uh, it's hard to stay away, uh, but as far as uh, maintaining any relationships with guys on the team, uh, not so much, but the coaches I still love and, and, and talk to a bunch. Still got to buy season tickets? They don't just bring you down there on the You're right. You know, got to get that fixed. <laughs> How about your former Williamsburg dude, Caden Weijin? Uh, what have you seen out of him there? Kick returns this year mostly. Uh, what do you see out of him on the roster? I think he's a guy that can provide a spark. Um, you know, I, I, I hope as the season progresses that he gets some more opportunities, um, especially in the return game. Uh, so, but him being from Williamsburg has been a lot of fun. A lot, it's, we, we have a lot of pride in Williamsburg, so seeing a, a guy like Caden on the field has been fun. Well, Minnesota was meant to be a contender in the Big Ten West, but so far their only conference win was against Nebraska in the season opener. That's their only win of the season against any Power 5 school. Curtis Fader takes us inside a Gopher team who wants this win in a bad way. 
Minnesota is a team that's had its ups and downs, but the Golden Gophers have an extra week to prepare for the Hawkeyes coming off a bye, and that extra time off is crucial for them to get freshman phenom Darius Taylor back on the field. Taylor is the highest rated running back in the Big Ten by Pro Football Focus, and you can see why. He averaged 176 yards rushing his last three games, along with scoring four touchdowns this season, but he did suffer a leg injury that's kept him out the last couple weeks. And now he's set to return and try and wreak havoc on the Hawkeyes. But this defense is used to facing talented Big Ten running backs and looks poised to do so again. He's, he's like top three in the Big Ten in, in rushing yards right now. Um, so he's having a good year. You know, that's, that's something we have to focus on is, is stopping the run. You know, it's, it's Big Ten football. That's, that's about what it is week in and week out, um, stopping the run. Iowa only threw the ball 14 times last week, but they could potentially have success this week in the air. These Golden Gophers are prone to getting picked apart, giving up an average of 36 points per game on 300 yards passing their last four games. Kirk Ferentz still holds Minnesota's defense in high regard when preparing his team for Saturday. There's a lot of good defensive teams in our conference, and last several years, Minnesota's added to that. They've been extremely uh, tough to move the ball against and score against. Uh, they're coming off the bye. I'm sure they'll be well-prepared, well-rested. So, you know, long story short, just like another another uh, tough challenge. It'd be great to be in Kinnick, certainly, but we're going to have to do our, our work on that one. While Iowa's in the driver's seat now to win the Big Ten West, any slip-up down the stretch can put that in jeopardy. And Minnesota's a program experienced in playing spoiler to favor teams' plans. So Hawkeye fans should be optimistic, but definitely on high alert. Thank you, Curtis. Well, Austin Blythe, I, I don't know if you have any chance to shed any light on this. Maybe you've had an NFL teammate who could have uh, enlightened you here. But Minnesota hates Iowa, and Nebraska hates Iowa. In that season opener, they were united in their hatred against yeah. Iowa. Why such disdain from these border schools toward the black and gold? I think it's, it's partly because of how we play football uh, hmm. here at Iowa. I know Minnesota especially tries to be physical up front. They try and run the football first. Um, but, you know, when... When you can't do it as good as somebody you're trying to imitate, it's it's a tough pill to swallow. So I understand it. Yeah, I, I wonder mainly about Nebraska too, because they've they've got a good pedigree historically. You know, prior to 20 years ago, they've got a lot of na national championships under their belt, but they still seem to dislike Iowa. Is that still again just conference opponents? Iowa's kind of dominated that rivalry since they came in. I think so. I think you look at the su success we've had over the last uh, you know 10, 15 years, especially with Coach Ferentz here. Um, it's not the success that they've uh, been used to, especially the last. <laughs> five, six, seven years, whatever it's been, 10 years probably going on. Um, so again, you know, when you're trying to imitate uh, and win games like uh, somebody uh, that's supposed to be your rival and it does, it's not going well, uh, that's probably where the hate comes from. Do you care about Nebraska at all? They would have been, I think you were would have been on the team when they entered the Big Ten, I believe. Yep. Um, does that rivalry mean hardly anything to you other than that it's another trophy to get? You know, a, a rivalry, a, a game with any tro trophy uh, is a rivalry game and it's always an important one to get, like I mentioned earlier in the show. Um, so it, it always means something regardless of what, uh, you know, the outside expectations might be. Back on I Am The Hawks with Austin Blythe, former Hawkeye, former Ram, former Seahawk. Austin, thanks again for joining us this week. Uh, before we get into game picks, we love having you back in Eastern Iowa. Now that you're not playing in the league anymore, what occupies your time these days? Well, my kids and, and wife first and foremost, uh, and that's one of the main reasons why I ended up did re uh, choosing to retire. Um, but other than that, you know, I, I've gotten into coaching some football this fall with my father-in-law uh, and my brother-in-law is on the staff as well. So that's been a lot of fun um, getting to coach, you know, the game that I obviously love. So 
Um, it's been a lot of fun. You're over there at your alma mater at Williamsburg. How special is that to be back? A place that you obviously know well, again, with your father-in-law, a place that you played football, and you guys got a pretty good team this year. What's your thought right now as this team prepares to enter the postseason? Yeah, I think you gotta you got to meet the challenge where you're at, right? So what I mean by that is, uh, again, we're getting down towards the end of the season. Um, you got to go into each week uh, one game mentality. Um, and certainly for us, we dropped a game against a good Solon team a couple weeks ago. So uh, for us, it's playoffs right now. Um, and I, I try and get that across to those guys. Uh, some of the best times playing football you'll have is with your high school friends playing high school football on Friday nights. So um, just take advantage of it, have fun with it. You don't have to be perfect, but just go out and play hard. You got at least one future Hawkeye on that roster in Derek Weiskopf. How special of a player is he? How much are Hawkeye fans going to enjoy seeing him on that roster in a, in a year or so? Gosh, getting to coach Derek and just really watch Derek play football, it's, it's just a lot of fun because he's a competitor. Um, he wants to win, and if there's a way that he can do it and there's a way he can get it done, he's going to try and figure it out. Yeah. Uh, how did you know it was time? I mean, you mentioned your family a little bit. How did you know it was time to step away from the NFL? You know, we always said, Reed, my oldest, he's, he's seven years old. He's starting first grade this year, or he started first grade this year, and, and we always said before we started um, that we wanted to be done uh, when he was in grade school. So that, along with getting out healthy, yep. um, finishing my career in Seattle with some familiar faces, having a lot of fun, being a, a voice in the offensive line room, on the team, um, just kind of all that wrapped into to one um, and just kind of made it an easy decision to, to, to be done and, and enjoy time here. Well, let's now get into our Week 8 game picks. First, one of the biggest games in college football resides in the Big Ten. Big noon kickoff right here on Fox Saturday. Number three, Ohio State. Four-point favorites hosting seventh-ranked Penn State, a team that really handed it to Iowa a few weeks ago. Austin, what do you think between these two? You know, I think obviously they're both great teams. They're off to 6-0 starts, um, best you can be at this point in the season. But I think Ohio State's been starting too slow uh, in games, um, and Penn State's just been, you know, obviously what they did to us yep. and then just beating – teams that they should, 63-0. to zero. Um, So I'm liking the, the Lions in this one. I kind of do, too. I think that this is a Penn State team that has CFP potential for sure, and I think that they'll uh, beat Ohio State this weekend. Now to the Big Ten West. Wisconsin without Tanner Mordecai for the foreseeable future. Still a two-and-a-half-point favorite on the road against Illinois. If the Badgers drop another game, could get some serious uh, friction atop the Big Ten West for the Hawkeyes. Who wins this game? Again, I, you know, this is a tough game. You think about Wisconsin and what they're trying to be with that spread offense up there. But, uh, you know, hopefully they can fall back on what they've always been good at is that ground game, the, the powers, the counters. And I think it'll be too much for Illinois. Frankly, I'm a little surprised that that spread is as small as it is. I think that Wisconsin's a really good team. I think that Illinois has really played down to what their potential was this year. So I like Wisconsin maybe even win this game by you know, uh, 10, 15, 20 points possibly. Uh, moving on to the battle for Floyd of Rosedale. Hawkeyes three-and-a-half-point favorites at home against a Minnesota team. They've won eight straight games against the Gophers coming off a bye week after getting destroyed by Michigan. Austin. Have to imagine you're going to predict Iowa's going to win this game. Uh, do you think it's going to be a comfortable win or another close one? Uh, you know, I'm, I always think the, the Hawks are going to win comfortably. Mm. I don't know if that's just a player in me and the bias. You're uh, wrong so often, Austin. Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> yeah, so I don't know. I think with the way that we've ran the ball the last few weeks, uh, you know, hopefully it'll give uh, Deacon Hill some, some pressure taken off of his shoulders uh, and he can hit throws when needed. But 
hopefully we can rely on that that offensive line in that running game to get us a, a few scores and, and put this game away early. Game could get interesting. Minnesota really wants this one bad. P.J. Fleck wants this win so badly, but Iowa always plays so well at home against Minnesota, as we mentioned. Um, I think they could get this one again by another, you know, five to seven points somewhere in there. We want to thank Austin Blythe again for joining us on Eye on the Hawks this week. Austin, good to have you back. Good Thanks to have you coaching me. on the sidelines. All right, thanks for joining us this week. Enjoy the game this weekend.